All right. So, what's up, everybody? This is Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, co-creator, and all things galactic. Give it up for the Lady of Leisureton. Be wonderful. You're muted. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All I said was, "What up? What up? What up?" It's election night, so you know I'm on I'm on different vibes right now. <sighs> totally. What you sipping on? Let's just say I'm grown. All right. <laughs> after a lot of the, after a lot of stuff that's been transpiring, so we got a lot to break into tonight. We got a lot of discussion to happen. So we got midterms tonight. Oh, Lord Jesus. We got CPI coming out on Thursday. And then on top of that, we got to discuss some of these supply chain issues and so much, much more. So without further ado, cue that intro. <laughs> Okay, so what's up, everybody? You know who we are. Welcome to the AV, whether it's events, yards, class, or the CAF. We're all connected to the AV, but instead of college, this is all about the markets and your generational wealth journey. So we got a lot to get into with short amounts of time. So we're going to try to definitely have it fire chat or fireside chat style, something like that. But let's get some of the obvious stuff out of the way. Like, for example, if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and hit that subscribe button down below because we would appreciate we would ugh, we would greatly appreciate it. Alongside with you hitting that like button, so that way this YouTube algorithm can definitely get information. And then on top of that, if you want to be in the know, just like how it was cousin Curtis Lane talking about, let's go cousins. No, let's go Curtis. What's good? How you doing? <laughs> All right, so we shout out you, my guy, because of course you were the first person in the chat because you had your notification bell on. Yo, I don't know about this potato salad controversy. All I know is I saw what I saw and I saw that Curtis Lane was first. So salute to you. Thank you for having your bell. And if you want us to shout you out on every single show that we do, then go ahead and make sure that you have your bell turned on. So that way when we see you first in the chat, we'll give you a holler. All right, y'all, we got a lot to get into. So Jolene, how do we do in today's markets? <clears throat> totally. What's up? What does it, cousins? Jolene, you see in the place to be. Let's talk about these markets or whatever. All right, so we have the Dow coming in at let me see, 333.83 points to the upside. We're now occupying a level of 33,160.83. The S&P 500 was up 21.31, leaving us at a level of 30,828.11. We have the NASDAQ, you know, doing a little something uh, with 51.68 percentage points to the upside, or actually just points rather. And we are now at a level of 10,600. Uh, 16.20, LeVix. LeVix is maintaining the heat at 25.54. It went up by 1.19 so yeah. from yesterday. So, you know, it's coming up. We'll talk about that in a second. We'll talk yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Um, and the 10-year is up 4.147 um, percentage points. And yeah, it's, you know, you know what, what, what your boy is doing, so... Yeah, it's up. So moving on to sector performance, as you know, there are 11 sectors. We like to track the top three and the bottom three so we can see what that rotation is looking like. As Mark takes a sip of his very grown drink, we have materials, tech and industrials coming in at the top three, followed by uh, consumer staples, energy and consumer discretionary being the only one in the red this day at market close. Heading over to our pick performance. Um, maybe you're, if you're new, you might not know that you can find the come up series pick list, aka the sips, um, right over at our on our Instagram page at that come up series. We have Joanne coming in at number one. Um, it was up 8.57 percentage points. So doing something. Well, you know, also holiday season, you know, like it makes sense. It, it really seasonality. Makes sense. Yes, <laughs> seasonality. Every time I hear that word seasonality, I like legit think of like seasonings. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. An unfamiliar, well, a familiar um, next pick is FTNT, holding it down at number two. It's been at a 
2.3 percentage points. Yes, indeed. Welcome back. And Enphase um, up 4.18 percentage points. Now for the bottom three, we have Tesla, negative mm. 2.93 percentage points, which reminds me I need to update. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to update. And we have Unity coming in at negative 4.12 percentage points. And Ticker symbol SBNY, negative 4.21 percentage points. So as you can see, Joanne had a good day leading the pack at over 8.5%. And the lowest performing were in the range of almost 3 to, um, well, 2.93 to like 4.21 percentage points. So, you know, that's that's pretty tight. Earlier in the year, we were seeing greater um, gaps. So that's interesting. Yep. Yep. So, um, Mark, as we talked about before, uh, there's a lot going on, you know, besides just midterms. Like this is, I hope y'all voted. I don't care if you feel like, you know, voting is whatever. I don't care. I'm going to need y'all to vote because seriously, like a lot is I, me personally, and I'm not going to say too much more, but a lot is, is at stake that yeah. we're at a day and age where we just need to exercise that particular uh, privilege that we have that was fought for by some of y'all's ancestors. If you voted, go ahead and throw like an emoji in the chat, you know, just so that way we can shout you out or see where you at and like just throw an emoji with where you're from. Uh, wonder if your polls, your your voting polls had closed. So that would be interesting also. Um, but yeah, yeah, so, yeah I went we today, definitely want to know. I went today and like hand delivered uh, my ballot with my little sister um, into the ballot box and there were a lot of cars um just driving by to doop doop so it was really efficient but it was packed so i mean in washington state though i feel like we get out here and vote and you know if you notice there's been more money spent for certain candidates out here and these Mm -hmm. races are looking very close for it to be contained within washington state it's almost shocking but so let's hit up some of the cousins here because we got uh i am social said i voted uh vet la voted uh rhode island marianne okay shout outs to you we got charmaine she said she voted uh boston and yes i voted with the elbow (laughs) cough with a philly cheesesteak uh kelly voted in virginia we got a lot of people in here we got dallas atlanta there's a there's a few interesting races there we Mm -hmm. got new jersey uh st louis even not a hater said i voted so yo let's let's get it like whoa lisa what sharon says she says she voted yesterday in chicago and it took two hours wow so some of y'all actually got to stand in line and vote i guess that's wild how they set that up interesting (laughs) michelle said that she had to like you know, put the fear of God in her son. Hey, Michelle. All right, we see we got Maryland in the building. Okay. Mm-hmm. Houston, Texas. Okay. Internet voting win. <laughs> Look here. Look her. Yo, the way things are going. Look, I, well, hey, I voted by mail-in, so I definitely exercised my walk to the mailbox and dropped it into outgoing mail. So there's that. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot that's at stake. Like, for example, like, how do we fight inflation? How is it that we fight climate change? And then on top of that, there's a few other related issues as it pertains to taxes. Um, well, and then, of course, other related state laws that may be significantly on the docket as well, uh, yes. especially as it pertains to women's rights. So there's a lot that's at stake. I'm not trying to like bring bring this to an ultimate political head, but, but if we these do- issues matter to you because of the fact that they do impact your wealth journey, and especially the legacy, because of the fact of you know decisions that are made today have strong impacts, not just like two years down the road. We're talking about five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And the question is like, the one thing that my grandfather always said was, you know, it's not just the decisions that we make today that define us, but it's the things that will define us later on when we see the decisions in which that we made that how they've impacted our children later on down the road. 
So it's very interesting to see how they play out. So for a lot of parents in the room, I know that those things really matter for those in whom much that are future parents. And then, of course, to the young folks that are not even, you know, even in that in that stratosphere. If you're even a teenager, just think about it like this. Every decision that is made today literally is a stepping stone towards the future and whether consequences or rewards for not just tomorrow, but let's say 10, 20, 30 years down the road. So these are building blocks as it pertains to what will be. And, and I know that I, we, like a lot of times it's like people like try to harp on a lot of the a lot of the issues and everything else. I mean, vote based upon the issues that matter to you, but also in the sense of the change in which that you want to see not only within your life, but also within your neighborhood, within your culture, within your communities. And then on top of that, within your state and your country. So please go out there and exercise your right, Sue, because there's a lot of folks who have come before you that didn't even have that right. So, and there are still folks even today that still are denied those rights. So if you have that opportunity to exercise that, please exercise it. Yo, so with these, we're going to be paying attention um, to, I mean, at least I will, like on the side about results as I'm focused, you know, on the show as well. But um, so let's talk about it. Like, let's talk about what happens with, you know, each party. We know what happens historically, um, whether it's Democrats that have, you know, the executive branch. And then if we have um, the Senate with um, with the Republican, you know, majority, Mm -hmm. there's going to be gridlock. Nothing's going to get done. Correct. They will block him just like they did um, President Obama on his last term. So yeah. it looked like today um, that may have been accounted for. Yes. So in the Senate, we have it where it's like the Republicans need just one Democratic seat just to gain control of the Senate. Mm-hmm. I mean, if everything balances out the way that it's supposed to be, if the Senate takes one seat, then they have control of the entire Senate. Now, the House is going to definitely be a lot of close calls. Some are going to be runaways where it's like, you know, in certain states, it's like, all right, unless you've just done a piss poor job, um, most likely, you know, the House, though that it's going to be, like I said, there's going to be some interesting seats. I think it's like, a, I think it's 27 seats or something like that, where they're very and highly competi- competitive and they're going to matter and they could change the effects of what we could be seeing down the road in 2024. So, like I said, you know, the decisions that are made today can ultimately have grave or interesting impacts as it pertains to the next presidential election. Um, Another thing that we're looking at, and I think that the number one thing that's very heavy on a lot of Americans' minds is inflation. Totally. um, Which, you know, it's the the question of what is it that the Senate and the House can do (laughs) as it pertains to fanning the flames of inflation? Um, but I mean, honestly, like looking at it from a, from the market perspective, because I know that a lot of folks are going to be like, well, how does this affect money? How does this affect my journey as an investor or whatever it may be? You know, in some cases, certain parties, they focus on like, you know, it, a lot of folks believe that if the Republicans take the House and the Senate, that that's more leniency towards the stock market. So which means that you could probably see that the stock market literally takes a different change of course, though, you know, I don't know how much that can really change the narrative as it pertains to inflation. And on top of that, what the Fed does. Um, and then on top of that, when we think about like, for example, the Democratic Party, many times they're they're focusing on policies as it pertains to the people, things in which that are, you know, that benefit the overwhelming majority of the United States economy. So there's a lot of issues. And then on top of that, the overwhelming issue, of course, is abortion rights. Like that was the number one thing that like is probably sitting on a lot of dockets. The reason why you're seeing a lot of Senate uh, Senate races that are very heated because a lot of them are running on specific cases. Um, and believe it or not, to bring it back to market, you know, pay attention to those key areas as it pertains to states that can flip like your Pennsylvania's, your Ohio's. Uh, your New Hampshire's, you know, even Delaware, uh, what else? Atlanta, uh, I think Florida, I think Marco Rubio is is now projected to take uh, Florida. But it's interesting to see how those things shake out, especially watching the race with uh, DeSantis in Florida, uh, especially if he's a potential uh, running or if he's a potential candidate for presidency for 2024. So there's a lot that's really playing forth as it pertains to like what's going to happen as we start like because right after midterms, the race for presidential election starts. So I mean, it's low starting right now. <laughs> it has started. Like <laughs> it has definitely started. A lot of the spending has taken place. I think you've seen in many cases like you've seen like hundreds of millions of dollars that has been of cash that has been front loaded into a lot of the campaigns. 
which is very interesting because I kind of sit back and think about it. Like if people really didn't really front load a lot of this cash towards like political campaigns and ads and focus a lot of this towards like the general mass economy. I mean, just imagine where the U.S. economy would be or culture or communities and everything else. If they put those dollars, that's a whole nother. Um, <laughs> whole nother other for a whole different different episode. But with the with inflation, we do have to remember that inflation is a global issue right now. It's not just the United States where, you know, consumers and citizens are experiencing pain. So when we're looking at that, we also have to think about like what today's vote, like however it goes, whatever party, um, you know, ends up taking over Senate or the House we have to think about like what their global perspective is and how they will move globally as well when it comes to the narrative, the rhetoric, all of that stuff. Um, because it's not just a U.S. problem. We're actually our economy is probably not doing as bad. Like it feels bad here. It feels um, bad, but it's, if you really want to know what bad it looks like, like, look, Europe. <laughs> It's, it's way different. Europe is definitely different. Uh, play, like China is definitely different. Japan is definitely different. Um, and then on top of that, you have to think about like how the global supply chain, which we're going to get into in a second, mm-hmm. how that's gravely impacted, um, especially when we think about import export and how that affects GDP. Um, those things are significantly impacted, given that climate change is significantly hit when we think about water supply. Like mm-hmm. I said, there's a lot to do some right now. because Yo. <laughs> Where should we start, Jolyn? Because honestly, I'm technically ready to move on from midterms and I'm ready to get into the real stuff. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Um, So what's what's our next subject? What's our next? What's our next uh, subject line? Well, let's just, you know, I feel like we should get no segues. Let's talk about earnings. I really want to talk about Disney's earnings. Yeah, I want to talk about Disney's earnings and really, you know, like what when we think about like Disney and some of these other streaming platforms, like who's going to have the edge? Whose strategy is going to ultimately dominate? You know, I really don't like saying I told you so, because honestly, I don't want to be that kind of guy. So I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to leave that in the back. You basically just said it. What are you doing? has opinions. Yeah, he's over here trying to break into his toy box. All right, so here's what I've got to say about the whole Disney situation. Okay. For if you weren't if you weren't paying attention to what happened to Disney's earnings, it was what, how can I say it? What's the best way that I could say it? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. El Terrible. <laughs> It was, it was a crapshoot. And it's kind of interesting because it's like, if you guys really think about like, this is the tale of two CEOs mm-hmm. where it's like you had Bob Iger as class personified, like literally that guy that literally put Disney up and just like, ah, oh, here you go. I, I, I put the company on my back, literally gave you the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything else. And it's like, yo, Bob, all you got to do, like you, your, your name even follows me. Bob Chapek, the second CEO that came in. All you had to do is stick to the plan. <laughs> like, don't do anything extra. Like, yo, it's a, it's a well-oiled machine. Let the, let the great creative thinkers do what they're supposed to do. Let the great business folks that we bring on board, let them do what they're supposed to do. And everything will be just fine. And since Bob Chapek has taken the role of CEO, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Like, think about it. Like, Bob Iger knew about, like, the competition with Netflix, but he didn't really, like, focus on Netflix as, like, strong competition. Like, he like he aimed higher, like, if you notice something. Mm-hmm. Bob Iger aimed above Netflix. He said, okay, hey, we're going to look towards a company that can truly outspend Netflix, and we're going to focus on Apple because we see them as, like, think about it. How you know that he did that? He stepped down from Apple's board because he knew how competitive it was going to be. Because it was a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. Now you got Bob Chapek here, and it's just like, oh, yeah, you focus on subscriber numbers and everything else. But there's just like the one thing I will say about Disney is Disney, the one thing that it has in its favor is this nostalgic factor. There's a huge nostalgic factor in which that you can build a lot of stories around. The originals from Disney, not that good. Um, as it pertains to this, cons- the consistency of people coming back to watch the shows, mm-hmm. not that good either. I mean, of course, if you've got children, then yeah, you can easily just sit them in front of the in front of the TV and sit them in front of Disney Plus. But I mean, let's be honest. I mean, when you think about like nobody is like literally trying to slang their their accounts of Disney Plus to like share with massive amounts of people. <laughs> Like nobody. <laughs> Nobody's doing that. 
Like if I'm just keeping it straight up a buck with everybody, nobody is doing that. So again, it's like revenue came in, re- revenue definitely came in light. Mm-hmm. Um, EPS definitely missed. Um, I don't, I, I honestly think that over the next two quarters, it's going to get very, very rocky for Disney. It's going to get very, very rocky. Now, of course, they got some wonderful titles that are coming out. Their Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything else that they're really banking on is really their bread and butter. And mm-hmm. of course, we thought that with people going back to movie theaters and everything else, but we're even seeing that even in those numbers are sliding are slightly a little bit weak. So, like I said, you know, honestly, I, Disney has that one thing, which is the nostalgic factor and a lot of the titles that they have underneath their IP. Are they doing it well? Probably not. Um, did they focus in the wrong places? Absolutely, yes. You know, I do love the fact, I will give Disney credit where credit is due, where they're looking to bring on the e-commerce side into mm-hmm. their platform, which I could have sworn that you and I had this conversation a while back. If somebody rolls the tape where we said, Another company should focus on doing that because of the fact that the titles that surround it are even greater. So I think that when you look at it as it pertains to content libraries, Mm -hmm. it's like you allowed Netflix to build such a stronger content library and also with an occult following. And then it's it's like, okay, hey, the things that you're leaning on, it's like when you start making remakes of of, of previous movies and everything else, I think that that's a problem. It is a problem. And, you know, when we think about Disney and we think about their original, like, I won't call it e-commerce strategy, but their commerce strategy as far as like licensing and all of their, you know, plush toys and all that kind of stuff that, you know, parents get for their children, that same type of mentality needs to transfer over to their streaming platform. Because if it doesn't, they will be done and dusted yeah. in some capacity. Like, I feel like they'll, you know, be there, but they're not going to be, you know, big. And I think something is something should be said for looking uh, over, jumping over Netflix head and looking at Apple. Like, yeah. that was a great strategy, but it's like, hello. They abandoned the strategy. They abandoned oh, the strategy. Dust off the notes. Dust off yeah. the notes. Not relax. I, I, honestly, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. And, and and I know that a lot of folks want to get to the Elon Musk situation and the Tesla situation. Don't so don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna get that tonight. So hang on. We got y'all. We got time. Um, <laughs> we got time. Like today I got time, cuz. All right. So six thirty, but you know what I mean. Same here. But <laughs> <laughs> all right. So once you tip your hand in business where it's like you let your competitors know, especially if they're just as big, if not bigger than you, mm-hmm. your window of opportunity starts to come down like significantly. It really starts to like literally break. And the moment that like when Bob Iger stepped down from from Apple as board member, like the writing was on the wall. Like, And you have to think about how long ago that was when that transpired. And keep in mind, Apple was just getting into the space of streaming and content and making those types of investments. Think about like the amount of time that they've been in this market as Mm -hmm. it pertains to content. And then think about all the awards that they have received in the interim time Mm -hmm. during that process versus Disney in a short span of time. So that lets you know that Apple's like, oh, oh, so that's what you're trying to do? Okay, all right, well, all right, well, let's show you what we can do then. And Netflix is like, look, all right, well, you know, hey, we're gonna be the whipping, we're gonna be the whipping child for the moment, but you know, we'll keep working on the things that we've got underneath the hood. You know, honestly, I think that Disney needs to go back to adding like game content into their library. I think that they really need to focus on that. I really think that they're going to have to do some acquisitions. Um, I like that. There's a lot that they're going to have to do and they got the cash. The theme parks are good, but at the same token in an inflated environment and high inflation, I don't know if that's a good look for Disney. I think that that ultimately is a challenge for Disney significantly. So honestly, I think that they're going to probably have to look towards some significant acquisitions. I would look at like, I would say the two acquisitions that are definitely sitting on my block as it pertains to content is I'm definitely looking at Ubisoft and I'm definitely looking at EA, electronic. No, I have a really good friend that works at Ubisoft. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Okay, so um, keeping it with, well, actually, no, we're switching gears. So, okay, we are noticing in this market, which I think we talked about a couple of episodes ago, these layoffs. And I remember you were talking about this um when you were you had mentioned um paying attention to um like the recruiting Mm -hmm. or like any changes in recruiting Mm -hmm. things of that nature and one thing that um your boy 
Mark <laughs> Zuckerberg said, uh, <laughs> "You're a boy." What he said was, look, yeah, there's going to be layoffs and yep. we are trying to focus on our higher growth areas. So, mm. and he said, you know, like, hey, we're all going to be the same size, you know, um, next year or we'll be just a little smaller. But they're cutting a lot of people, like a lot. Yeah, there's so, actually sources out there where people like join like forums and then literally mm-hmm. post their information where they current where they used to work and letting people know that I'm getting ready to be cut. So that mm-hmm. way it gives recruiters an early jump to actually gain that talent. And honestly, you're starting to see a lot of companies like circle around some of those other companies and like their former employees and literally like put them on a like putting them into the talent pipeline for mm-hmm. them to become a part of those companies when they get their headcount uh, freeze uh, lifted. And I'm probably guessing like an interesting thing to look at though is like, look at this. And I had to go through this. So like I was in a conversation with some friends this week and I kind of like stumbled because I forgot what the word was because, you know, it's been a minute since I've been in the workforce one. And on top of that, this has never happened. But it's like, you know, severance. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing that like there's a science behind the severance because the science behind it is, is like, okay, hey, we'll give you X amount of severance for this period of time, which they can, that which they can pay out to. But the interesting thing about severance pay is that typically around the time that you see that those severance pay like timelines are coming to their expiration or to their timeline of end, mm-hmm. only around the time when companies start to like reinvigorate and start to reset their headcount and start going after talent again or start nibbling at new talent. So. It's very interesting to see how that plays. Like, honestly, I'm probably guessing that around Q1, we're going to probably start seeing some of those companies like literally start because now it's like budgets are submitted around the end of September. And then, of course, you do your cuts going into the end of the year, just so that way, essentially, you can finish off strong with a strong Mm -hmm. quarter. And then after that, then the next thing that you do is in Q1, you'll probably bring in those Q4 earnings and or Q4, Q1, depending on what your fiscal year looks like. And then after that, it's like, okay, around that time, you're also increasing headcount. So I wouldn't be surprised if companies start quietly increasing headcount around January, late January, early February, but really significantly in mid-February to early March. I wouldn't be surprised. So really, all we're going to see is a tech shuffle. Mm -hmm. Good talent does not stay unemployed. I don't care what. Oh, no, no, they do not. No, they do not. And you have to you have to keep in mind, smaller tech companies that are non Fortune 500, they're also recruiting because they've received Series B funding and series Mm -hmm. from Series A to Series D funding. You know, here's the thing about like raising capital. And I'll get into this a little bit because I'm supposed to be doing some event in Atlanta. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll talk about that on that show. Um, but I'll, I'll just mention this. When a company raises capital, you raise capital for one reason. You raise capital so that way you can hire more people so that way you can start, you know, getting to a place of growth and scale a lot faster. So that's typically what you're going to start seeing that some of those folks and some of that talent, uh, they'll start moving over into, let's say, some of those companies as a way to kind of hide a little bit. Uh, the pay won't be as, it, it won't be as the same, but it'll still be decent. It'll still be competitive. But then the other thing I'm going to be watching for is how many people actually go into secondary education and get maybe another degree while they're, say, for example, unemployed. So those would be something that I would also pay attention to as well. All right. Those are two good areas to keep the finger on the pulse for. All right. So, um, I mean, I guess we could talk about your other boy. Wow. <laughs> your other boy, Elon. Look, I, I can't take it anymore, Jolyn. I can't take it. I can't take it. It's like you're. Oh, All right. <laughs> All right. So, um, if you've been, if you're not in the know, Elon Musk definitely sold. Uh, X amount of shares of Tesla. And I kind of like, you know, a lot of us foresaw this coming that especially given that they he made such a large acquisition of Twitter. And then on top of that, you're letting go of talent. And then on top of that, you want to increase capacity and fix some of the things that are at Twitter, you're mm-hmm. definitely going to have to spend more money. And where's that money going to come from? If you're getting cuts as it pertains to your ad dollars, which only accounts for what is it? I mean, I think the ad dollars at Tesla or at, at uh, Twitter accounts for what is it? Maybe four to 
four to ten billion dollars in Revy. Um, I mean, if you think about the overall internet companies out there, a lot of them make their money, especially when it comes to how you monetize off of the internet is through ads. Um, I think that you know some of the things that they're looking at doing, which is the monet increasing the monetization and making premium services, that's going to cost money because of course it's like. I don't know. Like, honestly, it really makes me ask the question, what were the people at Twitter really doing? And this is no shade, no knock towards anybody who worked there or still works there. Um, you know, it's just it just really asks the question, like, what were they working on before all of this transpired? I know that a lot of times they've been so much focused as it pertains to like the, the written content, mm -hmm. you know, news source related stuff. But even then, it's just like, oh, like you had to have seen this coming. Like if there's not enough revenue that's coming in mm -hmm. and the fact is that you're not at a place of significant growth and scale where you're pushing the product to go even further, then that's a huge problem. And so again, I think that he's going to have to sell, he's going to have to sell stock in order to essentially account for either loss of revenue from those ad dollars. And then on top of that, you know, he's also going to have to account for the fact that if you want to hire folks or even bring some of the folks over from Tesla over, and if you're spending to actually have people work extra hours those are going to be things in which that you're going to have to like definitely pay attention to um for sure but i mean also the other part is is that i think that you know for a person who takes a dollar salary and so a lot of folks don't realize that a lot of these tech-based ceos take dollar salaries so that way everything for so that way they can you know they get a they get front loaded a ton of stock mm -hmm. and then they're loaded a ton of stock as they meet certain benchmark requirements. And so in my opinion, I think that's like Elon Musk is going to be awarded a ton of stock, you know, coming at the end of this year for meeting X amount of benchmarks. So it doesn't, it does make sense to also sell X amount of stock. And that like literally supplements for a lot of the things in which that you don't gain since you don't have a CEO salary. Um, so those are things that I would definitely pay attention to. Also, the reason why Tesla probably went down was because of what we're also seeing in parts around the world where you're starting to see that supply chains or Again. you know the the actual shipment the so the actual import export of vehicles getting out to the clients mm -hmm. where you're seeing that there is like this buildup of vehicles whether it's in Europe based upon drivers for for commercial vehicles which if you're in commercial driving if you have your CDL uh what I don't know what grade level it is or at what level it is but if you do then hey hint, hint, opportunity but you know there's a lot of folks out there that are like okay hey they're waiting for like increase in pay so it should be interesting to see how those things also transpire but you know given in the sense that vehicles are also slowed down as it pertains to getting to customers that hurts the business so of course it makes people wonder hey am I going to have to revise the numbers as it pertains to Tesla and many of the other auto manufacturers really able to meet their numbers for this order. And I think that that also is adding pressure significantly to the stock. Well, one of the things with Twitter, you know, the changes I've seen, you know, different um, categories that they're going to be offering as it relates to official accounts and verified accounts who pay monthly for Twitter blue um, but that impersonation crackdown, that I don't care. I think that's awesome because I think that Meta will literally Meta follow suit. They, they need to follow need to. suit. They need to because you know, like we we're we talked about this a while ago when we were talking about Twitter. But like where it says when the year that you joined. So if you see somebody newly on there and you know they're impersonating someone um, pre Elon their account didn't last that long, you know, because of the simple fact that it was obvious that it was an impersonation account. But on Instagram, it is less obvious. Well, I think the thing is that what what Twitter does better is the fact that it gives you like the time in which that they like the anniversary period of when you became a user of Twitter mm -hmm. versus Instagram doesn't do that. And then on top of that, it's like, you know, really, it's like, you know, why would you want to really impersonate a person that heavy on Inst on Twitter? Uh, right. Especially it's like it's just different. You can always either tell by the language. But, you know, it's a it's a text based platform for now mm -hmm. um, with Instagram. I think that it's honestly just more so in the sense of just content generation and just continuously generating content. And I think that honestly, it's like, it's just a matter of priorities as it pertains to where the priorities lie between the two different companies. It's a tale of two companies.
But I think that honestly, like I always like I always say, a rising tide lifts all boats. So given in the sense that you have Elon and Squad that literally come forth and make some significant changes, it's really going to give, you know, Instagram and the meta platform something to really like chew on and think about, especially when you think about the validation of a lot of users. And it's going to really ask the question exactly how many of those users on those platforms are actually real versus fake. Bots galore. Yes. galore. Okay, so um, we have CPI coming out on Thursday. Yep. So we get to see those core CPI numbers that kind of back out mm-hmm. energy or what have you. Um, based on these numbers, what are you seeing for um, the Fed? You know, like, yeah. you know, these things are kind of built in, but, you know, are we sensing any pivots? What, what's up? Yeah, so I think that honestly, like the things that we got to pay attention to when we look at the CPI number going in, I think that if it's a nine or above, then that's mm-hmm. a really bad number. If it's below nine and coming in below ex- and coming in below the expectation, that's very good for the market, and you could possibly seeing that you could possibly see that that could possibly spur. What everybody's been talking about, which is the Santa Claus rally, which is you can't have a Santa Claus rally if the numbers are trash. You just can't. Have, it's just not going to mm-hmm. happen. Um, so if any part of, of that soft landing is in play, then and especially since we've already had now four 75 basis point rate hikes along with a 50 early on this year to front load it. I think that now it's the time where we should start seeing the efficacy of, you know, some of those rate hikes coming into the system and, and they now have moved through the system now. Now, not all of them, of course not. I would probably say maybe one or two have actually hit the system. Um, if two, probably more so on the slide of one and one and a half. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly what it looks like. Um, I'm not really holding my breath for the CPI number mm-hmm. for this go around, but at the same token, it's like I'm kind of like in the I'm kind of like in the camp where it's just like meh. <laughs> it's like it is what it is. I think that there's bigger issues at hand outside of like, you know, us waiting for the housing market to catch up within the CPI number print. Mm -hmm. Um, The Fed has already admitted that they can't do anything as it pertains to energy and food. So if you can't do anything about energy and food, which are some of the leading factors, which were some of the leading factors. And then, of course, if housing is a lagging indicator, then now we're just really just playing this waiting game. And the rest of the things are going to fluctuate based upon their seasonality and a few other factors. So, again, it's like eh, I'm kind of like I'm kind of like even killed when it comes to the CPI number, especially with the expectation that the Fed, no matter what, they're going to raise rates by 50 basis points in December. Yeah, which is already baked in. We're already, it's already priced into the market. Yeah. The only um, way that like now if we get a CPI print of 10, right, mm-hmm. if we get a 10, like a year over year, you know, of 10 or, or some ridiculous number or like, like I said, nine and above that could possibly like fire up the rhetoric in the conversation of another 75 basis point move. But again, I don't think that the Fed is going to pivot. Yeah. I think that the Fed may possibly slow down, though, as it, as it pertains to the, the strength of those rate hikes. So, for example, you've done four 75 basis point moves, which have like that's more than significant. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes well even beyond Volcker. I think that where we probably land is probably about a four and a half to roughly a 4.75 federal funds rate, where I think we're currently at three, 3.25 or three and a half, uh, something like that. Um, so I think that honestly, we still have a little bit more ways to go. But again, as we get to that, since we're on the tail side of things, I think that we're going to start slowing down as it pertains to the, the aggressiveness of the rate hikes. So, you know, after midterms and data comes out and we finally hear about the housing market and all that like 2023 is looking i'm gonna say interesting Um, good well i was gonna say interesting well i said interesting because if we have all that kind of like behind us and we've had you know great opportunity to acquire things like at a bargain Mm -hmm. and we know that this type of market does not last forever Mm-hmm. then it's going to be interesting riding up that wave. Yeah, so like... Sure. A, I don't think it's going to be like right away. A good stock to look at, like, it's, which is interesting because it's like, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of folks look at stocks and it's like, okay, hey, well, you know, all of them are pretty much the same. Let me see if I can load up our good friends over there at Bar Chart real quick because it tells an interesting stat line that it's kind of like really grabbed my attention. I want everybody to focus their attention. Don't worry, I'll pull it up so that way nobody loses <laughs> loses their minds. 
Um, but I want everybody to focus their attention on TQQ. Now, of course, TQQ is, you know, more so an ultra pro uh, of the regular uh, cues. So let's not really look at that in, in that per se. But I want to pull up the full chart here and kind of give us an idea as it pertains to where we are over the last nine months. So, of course, we peaked um, at TQQ. Like, let's if we're looking at it over the year, we peaked uh, back in November at around 91 and some change. Right. But this is where it gets very much so interesting because we've kind of like just been sitting in this lull period. So, I mean, this is where it comes down to the part of it, it doesn't matter whether or not you're a trader or you're an investor. You know, the stock has been significantly hammered. If I go to, say, for example, you know, the performance report of TQQ over year to date, the stock is down year to date, you know, since January 4th, 78%. So like buying a TQQ and sitting on it for X amount of time, like literally gives you like, you know, probably like if, if we look at it over X amount of period of time, if you're just buying the stock. That gives you an opportunity of about a, anywhere from a 50 to roughly 78% return on investment just from buying the stock and holding it over a period of time. So those are some interesting things in which that we look at as it pertains to like, okay, hey, are all stocks created equal? Now, of course... We have to look at, of course, let's let's throw in a meta, like meta platforms, which is, you know, significantly down. I don't know why I'm not logged in. Um, anyways, so if we look at them, they're also down 71% year to date. I'll blow it up because I do like looking at my con my my text and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So if, if we look at it, it's about 71% year down year to date. Now, of course, we've literally knocked out significant amounts of years of gains here just based upon what we've seen in this type of an environment. But if you strongly believe in that, you know, over, let's say, let's just say that the metaverse itself is going to take five years in order or three to five years in order to show that, okay, hey, that it's really worth, you know, what they say that they're building, which a lot of folks say that, okay, hey, that they'll, they'll get it. They're going to figure it out. Well, if you believe that, then you're looking at pretty much over the, over that period of time, that's about a 74 or 75%, you know, upside in which that awaits you, you know, to say that, okay, hey, that can this company figure it out? You know, if I look at, let's say, you know, I'm going to pull up my friends over there at AMD. Kind of weird when, you know, you're tall and you're on. <laughs> Anyways, um, so AMD, again, year to date down 58%. And now, of course, this is with like keeping into consideration and context that again, that you've had, you know, a year for semiconductors, you know, whether it's geopolitical issues, give it Taiwan, give it recession, supply chain, all those things, PC market that has slowed down. PC markets don't stay slowed down forever. They're going to pick back up. You know, companies will get back to a place where they're buying. Currently right now, it's not sexy to be a buyer or investing into things. So how do we know this? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to bring it back to Meta for a hot second. Think about it. If Mark Zuckerberg and Squad had had said literally what they just recently said as it pertains to cutting back their headcount, do you really think that the stock would have taken a hit? Mm -hmm. All right. So that tells you everything that you need to know there. That, that tells you like, okay, hey, it was a matter as it pertains to sentiment, posture, and also as it pertains to like, okay, hey, they didn't read the temperature of the room. And the temperature of the room right now, especially in this type of economy, in this type of setting, Nobody wants you to be doing a significant amount of spending. Mm -hmm. They want you to hold on to capital. I'll give you guys a secret. Those same rules were applying during COVID-19 and now after we're in the startup world, companies didn't want you spending a lot of money. Hence the reason why if you go and look at the deals that are taking place now in the startup world, the amount of money that they're raising now and at valuations that they're raising now versus go back to 2018, 2019, 2017, the valuations that they were raising at that point in time, the amount of money that they were raising at that point in time was significantly, was significantly different. The other part that you got to pay attention to, and I know I'm about to go in my bag for a second. The other part that you got to pay attention to is that when, when you see these types of environments, nobody knows exactly when these things will make their churn as it pertains to us seeing the strong value back right now because of the fact that one cost of capital is ridiculously high 
too. The other part is everybody's going down. So yet you're, you're spending though that we know that you're going to still keep spending. But the thing is, can you turn it down a little bit as it pertains to the amount of spending that you're doing? And yet in this market, it's all about maintaining profit margins. It's also about maintaining your earnings and just doing barely enough just to get by. You know, we get it. Many of you are A plus students. You normally get golden stars at the end of the day. But today is not that day to literally flex that kind of muscle on everybody else. Look at the energy market. The energy market has spent very little <laughs> and they're being rewarded very, very high. They've been even killed through this entire movement. And yet here we are. Now we find ourselves in a moment where it's like supply chains have significantly been interrupted. We see that production had taken a hit. And then ultimately when production started to ramp back up, by that time, those companies were already bringing in profits because of the fact that the cost was higher. Now, what is it that companies want to know what you're doing with the cash? Hey, we're increasing our dividend and we're buying back shares. <laughs> So just in case if there's any potential downside risk, hey, we'll, we'll kind of like soften the blow for you. We'll buy back so that we're returning value to the shareholder. That's what shareholders want in this type of market. They want dividends and they want value to be returned back to their stock. Now, and when we look at like now, the question is, does this last forever? Like, think about it. Does good news, does good news, does good news equal bad news forever? No. Does bad news equal good news forever? No, we're going to reach a point like that's normally where you start reaching that point of capitulation where you start saying, okay, hey, it's bad news. This is terrible news, terrible print and everything else, or it's just not as good as we thought it was supposed to be. And yet, hey, at least there were certain things that they were not doing. <laughs> So those are the things to really pay attention to when we look at it as it pertains to where where are we? What's what's the current temperature of the room? And like I said, if Meta had followed suit with what Apple did, and the only reason why you see that Apple's taking a hit is because of the fact that they just literally admitted what the rest of the world knew, <laughs> which was hey, y'all, this zero COVID is these zero COVID rules over here in China and this one particular arena where we do a lot of work on certain models of our phones, working with Foxconn, yo, this is really starting to have an, this is really having an impact on our production. Mm -hmm. so as an investor, you're like, uh-oh, hold up. Are you still going to be Apple? Is that math, is that Apple math still going to be Apple math? Or is that Apple math going to turn into alphabet math? It's a difference, mm -hmm. you know? So when we think about like, when we think about it in that type of context, do will the sentiment change yes will things change yes do we also see somewhat of a rotation take place yes that's okay we do see the we do see rotations take place everybody's not going to always love the same thing it's like there's going to be some things that you dance with the one who brung you because of the fact is is that just that their star just shines so bright that honestly everybody else looks like halloween when they're christmas <laughs> i mean it just is what it is <laughs> like apple still will shine brighter than every single other company in the S&P 500. Like they could, they could literally have a runny nose and everything else and yet they still smell like apple cinnamon and sunshine. They <laughs> can have a little COVID and they're still, <laughs> they're still out here. <laughs> exactly. But when we think about the other players and everything else, it's like, yeah, there's companies in which that they, they get it going. Like, you know, and that's why I said, energy had a Heck of a year this year. Phenomenal year. They did what they were supposed to do. They didn't do a lot of heavy duty spending. You know, now when we start getting to that place where it's like, okay, hey, we're invested like sooner or later, they'll get to a point where they start looking more complacent mm. based upon a seasonality factor. But in a market where you're dealing with scarcity in a market where you're dealing with global supply chains being interrupted when everything is very much so needed and energy makes a vast portion of that go, then yeah, it makes sense. They're having their time. 2023, I would really look at, okay, hey, what do we expect as it pertains to like really start asking the questions of what part of the economic conversation do we expect to change next year? Because honestly, a part of the conversation is going to change and it's going to change fairly quickly in 2023. So now you have to ask yourself as that part of the conversation starts to change, who stands to benefit? I'm personally, I'm looking at semiconductor chips because they've been the lead of everything that I have been saying to everybody for so long that they are literally setting, they literally set the tone in front of everybody else. Who was the leading sector this this uh, for today or for the past few days? It's been the semiconductor space. One, because they're needed. And then two, at the same token, we're getting over the conversation. We're, it's like it's been overdone where we've been having the same conversation over and over. It's yeah, like, okay, impact. I'll give you guys, I'll give everybody an idea. 
so that way you can understand what it feels like. Everybody has that one friend in life where they literally say that, okay, hey, this year is going to be my year. I'm going to go and do this and everything else. And then three years later, they're still talking about the same story that they said that they were going to be doing three years ago. And yet they still haven't done it. Like that's like, and then after a while, it's like, what happens to you when you hear it, when you know a person like that, you start to like literally become desensitized to the conversation. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, <laughs> all right. It's like, after a while, when you hear something in the news consistently, you start to like become desensitized to it. The rules are still the same as it pertains to what these companies will do. They're not going anywhere. Just because that you see that their values have been significantly reset or crushed doesn't make them bad companies. Like if you ever get the chance, like go and look at like their real fundamental data, go and look at their earnings, see if their sales are up, see if their growth is actually starting to happen. Like in the semiconductor space, the one argument that you can use against them was PC market sales were slowing. But yet at the same token, what was happening within data centers and enterprise, especially in other places in which that they were like literally like custom semi chips, uh, AI, what was happening there? Was the spending slowing down there or was it still there? And was it definitely still growing? So does the company and, and, and are their margins increase? Are their margins improving? You know, once upon a time, you had companies that margin, like we look at Tesla and was like, okay, Tesla like had a bad quarter, but their margins are still better than everybody else in the space. What is it? 29% when the consensus is 13. So it's like, yo, the conversation isn't always going to be the same. So like, those are things to definitely pay attention to. And I, I yield my time. <laughs> Okay, take a clip just from that. So, um, moving forward, well, we actually, I need to check what's going on in the on the political front. For I can check it. I okay. Can check it. Um, in the meantime, in between time, we have about three minutes left. So, um, so in the when it comes to the Senate, Republicans have thirty nine, and the Democrats are currently at thirty eight. Um, that's the current number as it pertains to the race for the Senate. When it comes to the House, you have 108 Republicans, 59 Democrats. When it comes to governor, currently right now, mm -hmm. we have 15 Republicans and seven Democrats. Currently, that's the count. Um, when it comes to Secretary of State, well, it's kind of like a mixed bag. So. Your audio just did. What'd you say? Oh, I was just saying that when it comes to Secretary of State, it's like, you know, the data hasn't fully come in for that yet. You mm -hmm. hear me? Yep, I heard you. Okay. All right. So anyway, um, <clears throat> now we have. OK, so next week. Yeah, next week. Just, you know, FYI, um, there may or may not be technical issues on my side. So I'm just giving you the heads up now. Um, okay. We're going to make sure that it's, you know, handled. But I just want you to know that ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just as a heads up, y'all, we will be going into a holiday season. Um, I'm preparing quite the stage of things that are coming forth alongside with JoLynn for next year. But I think that we're probably going to be looking at maybe a few only episodes in the month of December. Um, just so that way we can kind of like relax, cool our jets and get prepared for 2023. Um, but, you know, it is true. The rumors that you have heard, I will be in Atlanta on November 28th uh, on the inaugural episode, the premiere episode for that Monday with other than the Black Panther himself, Lawrence Eggleston. So that should be so much fun. I look forward to chopping it up with him and you never know who else may show up. So life is filled with surprises. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, it's it's time. Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely time. Until next time, y'all, I am Mark Monroe. And I'm Jolene GC in the place to be. Hey, that intro was so far, we're gonna have to end it off on that again. So peace, y'all. Oh, 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 oh,